Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Reformation Day to you, you good Lutherans with your red on. It's very nice to see you all today. We are wrapping up our sermon series called Free Indeed. And up until this point, we have had lots of Lutheran terms that we've been covering for the past Sundays in October, and we culminated with a retreat yesterday at our, um, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., and all of our conferences were able to attend except one, and though I invited the entire church and all the people in the land, I get to shout out to one person who took me up. Marge, you get your shout out today. Yes! So I am grateful that Marge continues to try to learn and try to grow as a Christian in her faith. So thank you. So when we ask this question, what is freedom? I ask you, what do you think it means? We live in the land of the free. People demand their freedoms are being compromised. Freedom has been a buzzword that has been really in the news as of late. So what does freedom mean for you? So I decided I would look at what Google says freedom means, and then we would talk about what, as a Christian, freedom means. And on Google, it says freedom is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved, or it's the power or right to act, speak, and think as one wants without restraint. So I looked at the gospel, and, you know, here Jesus is talking to the Jews, and they're like, We've never been slaves. Now, I don't know if you know anything about church history, but these Jews were not only slaves to the Assyrians, the Syrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Romans, and a slew of others. They were rarely free. But yet in their minds, they were saying that they were not slaves to anything. So that asked me, or leaves me to ask you the question, what are you a slave to? To what or to whom do you find yourself enslaved? See, these Google definitions say we're free and that we have the power to say or think any way that we want. Which means that we like to put freedom in ourself. But the prophet Jeremiah tells us, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That comes from Jeremiah 17. So that means we are actually able to deceive ourselves into believing that the one way of thinking that we have is the only way of thinking in the world. And by having that kind of belief system, thinking that we can say or do anything we want, what it ends up doing is dividing people. What it ends up doing is excluding people. What it ends up doing is not loving people, but hurting people. That doesn't sound very Christian to me, but Google says that's okay. Google says you can say anything you want to do. But as a follower of Jesus, that's not what leads to freedom. Because we realize that freedom doesn't come from ourself. And we realize that we aren't free from sin. In fact, we are slaves to sin. And the world tempts us in such a way that we can't even trust ourselves to free us from this bondage that sin has on us. Because instead, we want our agenda met. We want our success. We want our wealth and our health and our status. 
And it becomes very focused inwardly because these desires force us to spend our days worried about things, stressed about things, trying to prove ourselves to people. And it leaves us in a state of unhappiness. And that's because Google's wrong. We are slaves to sin. We aren't free because we can say or think anything we want to. It's really simple psychology here. Once you take care of the basic needs that we have, food, shelter, clothing, you still need something to live for. You need something in which to focus your energy. So what do you focus your energy on? What do you focus your thoughts on? See, if you live for pleasure, you're only serving your own impulses and your own appetite. If you live for power, you're just stepping on people as you climb up that ladder of success. If you live for money or prestige, you aren't sharing the love of Christ as we've been called to do. So no matter what you choose, your daily habits and choices are most determined by what you value the most. So what do you value the most? What are you focusing on right now? What has the biggest grip on you? See, real freedom can't be found in this world. Actually, real freedom is only found in Jesus Christ, who redeems us, who breaks that, those chains of sin that have been bogging us down. That's where real freedom comes from. The Apostle Paul offers us hope. In the book of Romans, he says this in chapter 6, But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. What he's saying here is, if we allow ourselves to be gripped by God instead of sin, that's where we find our holiness. That's where we know the gift of eternity awaits that's where we bask in love. So Luther taught us that humans are created in God's image, which actually makes us therefore inherently good. But because of these bonds of sin, because of this distorted nature of the human condition, we don't act good. In fact, what we do is we break down community to get our way. We hurt people that we thought we loved. And in so doing, we are literally perpetuating injustice and evil in the world. But here, if we actually lived into the freedom that Christ offers us, if we actually lived into this love that has been extended to us by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we would be less focused on our individual self. And instead, we would be more focused on our neighbor. And in Galatians, we are told, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, and that is love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That comes from Galatians, the fifth chapter. It's spelled out right there. And somehow we miss it. 
So I was trying to think of like an analogy or some sort of a visual. And, and temptation is so great in this, this lifetime that um, I, I was thinking about, you know, when you stand over a pond of water and everything looks bigger in the water, right? So I imagine like a dog with a steak in his mouth. This dog's got this great big snack, but he looks in the water and he sees that the steak looks a lot bigger because of the reflection. So because of temptation, instead of just being happy with what he has, he goes to eat the bigger steak, and of course he loses the steak in his mouth. And that's really how it is for us. We, we have gifts around us, but we always want more and more and more. And this world tells us it's about you. Take care of you. And when we do that, we lose what has been giving, literally what has been handed to us, which is this unconditional love of Jesus. And because of grace, that gift continues to be extended to us. And sometimes we just keep going for more, looking elsewhere, missing what's right in our hands already. 2 Corinthians says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So our good news here is that even though sin exists, God's ultimate response to sin is not punishment. God's ultimate response is healing, reconciliation, liberation. We know that the Word of God has the power to set us free. And to empower us to go into the world and actually try to heal creation and our neighbors instead of destroy them. And God loves us all so passionately. That's the good news of the whole gospel. So Luther uses this imagery of a marriage. And when he describes Christ's love, he talks about an ideal marriage is where everything that belongs to each partner now belongs to one another. And if that's the case between Christ and the believer, that means what once was ours now belongs to Christ. And what was Christ's now belongs to us. Which means all of the sin that we have now belongs to Christ. Because he carries it for us. But it also means that in turn, the believer receives all the beauty and the love and the holiness, the righteousness and eternal life that first belonged to Christ. Christ is ours, and we are Christ's. Luther calls this the happy exchange. Now, this full exchange doesn't actually happen until eternity, but we can live and enjoy this hope that this is what is coming to us, this anticipation by faith that God's promises are always going to be true. He also expresses it this way. Christian individuals do not live in themselves, but in Christ and their neighbor, or else they're not Christians. They live in Christ through faith and in the neighbor through love. Who do you need to extend more love to? Who do you need to extend more kindness to? We can continue to live as slaves to sin. We can continue to deceive ourselves and justify our actions. We can continue to not glorify God. Or we can accept that because of this faith that we have in Jesus, we have been set free. See, love is the fruit of that faith. Love is the true mark of a Christian. 
We don't serve one another as an obligation. We do this in response to the love that was first given to us. This is our joyful response to lift others up around us, to care for other people, not to break them down. This is what it means to be a Christian. And even in our feeble efforts at planting seeds of love, where we think we fall short, God will do something amazing because it's God's harvest after all. And as free Christians, our bondage to sin has been broken by the love of Christ that has been poured into us. So friends, because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are free. You are free indeed. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you continue to offer us second, third, fourth, fifth, twentieth chances. Because of this bondage of sin, we, we miss it. We try to do things our way. We try to make it the world according to me. And you remind us that when we actually lift up you, lift up our neighbor, the world runs much better. When we act out of love, we can solve all sorts of things. So Lord, send your Holy Spirit to fill each and every one of us so that we can live love more loudly, that we can act more kindly, that we can remember it is because of you and the love you first poured into us that we should be living in response to that joyful love. Bless my friends, keep them, Lord, and make them be filled with your love to go out into the world and shine that love loudly. In your name we pray, amen.